Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 161 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. No guest this week. Carrick, thank you so much for joining. We have an exciting, varied game news week coming your way. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you like early access to the podcast, click the Patreon on a book. You get early access amongst many other tiers. And also, we have mobile links down below, so if you want to listen on iTunes, Google Play, you can go ahead and do so as well. Click away. Now, let's get right into it. That's probably our quickest intro. Let's get right into it. The well, crew I do two. have to, I have to oh, interrupt oh, you and say, hey, go and for say congratulations for making it through another birthday. Oh, we did you. not celebrate this <laughs> and with last podcast, and you had talked about the cool stuff you did for your birthday, and I was like... I gotta, I gotta say, good job. You made it, man. You made it. You're, you're one year older. Do you feel smarter? A little bit, yeah. Do you feel more? A little bit. You're like, I've learned a couple. Yeah. I mean, I look at it this way. I look at my videos when I was like 19. I look at them now and I go, holy <laughs> fuck. Yeah, but, <laughs> that's uh, awesome. Yeah, for those wondering, I actually went to see SpongeBob the Musical. Yes, that is a thing on Broadway. It was really fucking awesome, actually. Uh, for those who are SpongeBob fans, but there were people way older than me there. There's this widespread appreciation for SpongeBob, understandably so, for its humor, but also um, a lot of kids there too. It seemed like just everyone could po- who could possibly enjoy SpongeBob was there. Um, and you know, the dancing—they had like rapping, they had tap dancing. They had everything. They covered awesome. all the bases in this musical. And I'm not a big musical guy, but let me just say my girlfriend killed it with this gift. It was fucking awesome. So Yeah, it's very cool. Do check that out. It's so good. And now, as I was trying to earlier, let's get into The Crew 2. I have not seen this game, played this oh. game. I did get a review copy from Ubisoft. I have yet to give it a whirl, though, to tell you the truth. So, Carrick, oh. you're going to be leading me along here. What's up with The Crew 2? Well, I don't want to. I don't want to harm anything. But you, you and I have disagreed, so I'm sure I won't be swaying you. But um, yeah, man, it it like it had a lot of issues. And really, it, uh, yeah. And I think the first thing. So you and I agreed mostly on. I think it was Far Cry Five, or maybe it was Origins. It was Origins uh, I that both. I know. I, I did you review Far Cry Five? I can't remember. Yes. What did you think of that? I thought that it was good, but the way anyone played the story would be different because of how the open world approach was. Remember, we talked about player agency, and it's a big thing Ubisoft wants to do. And because of that, it led to very inconsistent experiences. Well, there you go. That's yeah. that, it, it, So we're in a, that's the crew, too. The crew, too, okay. in a nutshell, is every... Um, it's it's almost like every lack of self-confidence Ubisoft has in moments of respite, moments of quiet. They they hmm. cannot have you experiencing those. They want you to, at all times, be getting Twitter followers, 
and fucking, or as I call it, fake Twitter, so fitter followers. But okay. it's like the entire game is social-based. Everything. Is it like Horizon 3? It, it A little bit, but it's it's so many levels above that, many. Like, you'll go around a corner, right? And it'll be like, you're getting 200 followers for this corner. And you're like, what? What the fuck? It's just, and it's, <laughs> I'm not lying. It's like you pop a wheelie, 17 followers. And you're all, okay. So what happens Ugh. is it causes this loop of like, and because followers get you, uh, get you the other things in the game. Mm. So you're just, I, I mean, a lot of people I saw who were reviewing it were just finding a stretch of road and just like popping wheelies and then turning around, popping wheelies, turn around. And I could tell what they were doing right away. I was uh -huh. like, he's just gaining, he's just gaining these followers. And the entire game, I get the physics because a lot of people complain it's a bouncy physics game. I think that's on purpose because you're bouncing off fucking skyscrapers with your car. So like, <laughs> I'm okay with that. But dude, I'm telling you, the pop in is egregious. It's mm. the worst pop in I've seen in a game in wow. so long. Yeah, so you're we driving talking in Fallout like, Three, We're talking Borderlands. Not that bad because those no. are a full jet. Oh, Borderlands. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, because like you're driving and a, it's like God's like, oh shit, I forgot to put that building down, yeah. and you're like, eh. <laughs> um, and I was playing it on a maxed out PC with everything on ultra. Mm. At times, it looks fucking amazing, though. Yeah, I so, saw like, some of the pictures you had posted. Yeah, you know how it is. It's that fucking back and forth. Every Ubisoft game has this, where yeah. if you capture it in a moment, you're like, that Far Cry 5, same thing. You're like, that's fucking awesome looking. But when it starts moving, you're just like, eh. And then mm -hmm. it adds planes and boats, which I have to admit, I love both of them. But okay. they have the worst events you could ever imagine. Uh. So it's like, no lie, your events, almost every event for your airplane is this. Pull off a barrel roll. Pull off another barrel roll. Okay, you have 20 seconds to pull off whatever you want. Okay, now you have to do a, a climb straight vertical. It just tells you. Mm. And you're like, really? It's it, in, you, Rarely in the plane are you going against others. Most of the time, it's just a solo you performing tricks. Um, the boats, fantastic. They're fun. But when you get in a race with other people, the rubber banding shows up. Uh, okay. And it just... it. And so I rated it a deep, deep sale, actually. I rated it a, a rent. I was just like, it's not ready. Sounds about um, right. It's, yeah, it's missing stuff that I think a normal game should have. What's strange is I remember us talking about the crew one. You had, I think, gone back to it. You had talked about how they were like, dude, it's good now. Yeah. It's got a pretty big player base. That clearly yeah. is true because it justifies a sequel. And so why why the backtrack, right? When they had everything in yeah. place, is it because all these systems didn't work together? Is it almost like, oh, it would be awesome to add planes. Okay, let's add planes. And then they add planes and they go, well, what the fuck do we do with them to make them worth flying? What do we give the player to do to reward them? Because that's, a, I think, a big hook with racing games now, at least from my experience with Horizon, what I've seen is, you know, how do you keep spoon feeding rewards to the player to keep them right. just driving around? Because... You know, for, I think, gearheads, that's probably a big compelling reason for them. But for players like myself who aren't huge on cars, you know, that reward, that giving back is probably a big hook. Yeah, so, it's the juice. Exactly. So I, I, I wonder if – is so you said the flying is good. You said the boats are good. So it yeah, really boils down to – Okay, so it boils down to what they have you do. Would you have any ideas? Because that's the thing is when I think of racing games, I think there's only so much you can do to make these True. events, to make these driving, just a simple thing that's usually like in an open world game. Like we'll use GTA V, like the to and from with the plane. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. It's usually because you have an angle where you're going to hop out skydive or something along those lines. But when you're stuck in that plane, that's all you can do is fly this plane. It's right. like what do you do to make it 
fun. Do they take a page out of the stuntman book? There's like yeah, well, and I think lines? also I should make it clear it doesn't even have PvP, and huh. so it's only got co-op multiplayer. So there's no PvP right now. They wow. said it'll be in September. So this so is a game called The Crew. Yeah, there's a game called The Crew without the major multiplayer component in it, which is hilarious all by itself. But yeah, it's it is that. It's exactly that. It's it what it feels like is they thought let's instead of make Crew two, let's make Crew one the way we sort of wanted originally. But it is a step down from the Crew one with all the expansions. Mm-hmm. Additionally, it's the same map, so there's a lot of retread. Um, and I think people don't remember that with a boat, there's no verticality in a boat for the most part. It's fucking flat water. Right, so seriously. unlike a car where you can go up hills and go down hills and, you know, freeway underpasses and all that stuff, in a boat, you're fucking going as fast as you can forward. Mm-hmm. And it runs out of fun really fast. It was, it was weird to play because it was like I got in a boat and they even... They even have a little gamified bit to make it more interesting. You pull back on the thumbstick, and it's called trimming the boat, and it basically raises it and makes it go a little faster. So you have to sort of, like, identify when you do that because it makes your steering a little worse. So I can see where they were like, we need to make this more interactive. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it doesn't. In the end, it's just not that good. And then the rubber banding ruins everything. Okay. Dude, rubber banding's so bad that I parked, and you could literally see the cars behind me slow down. They were like, because I was in the lead and or in the pack, sorry, and they didn't want to overpass me because it, rubber banding was on. But mm-hmm. then when I went fast, they immediately were on my ass. It was that thing where it doesn't matter how good you are, you have to really upgrade your car multiple times before you start leaving them behind, even if you're much better than them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and it's back and forth. Some races didn't seem to have rubber banding at all, none. Other races, especially the races where you transform from an airplane to a boat to a car, which I don't know if you knew that that's... Yeah, I remember seeing that in the trailer. That's a blast, by the way. You can do that. In those races, the rubber banding is at a level that is unbelievable. I was watching some streams of people who were, like, taking shortcuts and shit, and the boats, the other boats were, like, right behind them. It was was just unrealistic. And it it, it ate up the fun, because Mm. PvP is where this should be. Yeah. It's like, if I want to challenge you, do you know what I have to do? I have to look at a leaderboard, find Maddie, and go, okay, he scored this. Instead of saying, Maddie's right there, I'm going to race him. That's it, so it weird. Just, it, it's missing a lot, man. Yeah, it's see, missing a lot. I feel like one of the fun things with Horizon 3 was there was an open world, there was a lot of collectibles, but also the missions were cool yeah. in a way. Like, for example, you had to race, uh, I think it was a train for one of the first big major events. And that was awesome. So I feel like a lot of these racing games now, especially these open-world racing games, have to come down to the world and what you're doing in them. I think the boats, an easy remedy to some extent, are stunts or tie them into like some cool context. Like, hey, you're filming for an action movie scene here, and here's what you've got to do to nail this scene. You know, or if you're in the plane, try to design some very like a, a city that's intelligently designed rather to have maybe like skyscrapers that you have to like fly in sideways and yeah. then like really angle yourself around. I'm not saying that's going to fix it, make it an amazing game, but I just feel that that would be a little extra oomph that it needs. Cause like you said, it's very much you hold and you just drive along. Yeah, and especially said, when you're they, out in the open water, there's no like real turning or trying to avoid other cars or people. I would totally play what you just said. If like selling me on the fiction of a stunt man, I'd play the fuck out of that. Right. But, it's like I, I feel 
I feel that's the obvious route. I think yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure in a lot of ways that's where Horizon went. And yeah. I don't know why the crew, especially, I, I have not played the updated version, but especially when they had what seemed to be a working formula, yeah. why they regressed. And I will say, uh, to say something positive about it, you know, it is a blast to drive around and explore, but mm-hmm. um, their, their events, you explained it perfectly, the fiction of their events is terrible. It's just, there's just like a drive fast here kind of event. That's all there is. It's like a speed trap. You know, there's no, there's no selling on the fiction, like you said. Like, I would love a boat, like Stunt Guy, where, you know, it's like you have to hit this jump and then go over the bridge and we're going to film it. You know, it, that would even sell more towards this fake follower uh, Twitter thing, because that's a big deal in the game, too. Okay. So what happens when you get a lot of followers? Did, is that like story progress or? Yeah, story that, progress. Okay. Yep. And, and then you have to finish um, uh, these matches. And here's, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, like, they just feel like they added stuff. Mm-hmm. There's, like, these families that sort of run the roost for particular types of, of racing. And when you defeat enough racers in, in that particular area, you sort of face off against the family monarch. So it almost feels like a gang. But they don't do anything to sell you on that. And they don't do any fiction, you know, to where it feels like that's really what you're doing. It's like a lot of nouns and verbs but no story from it it's very weird very, very odd weird. game very odd game i mean it, it's kind of like a pick your poison because i think was it the crew one where they had the or, or am i thinking of need for speed there was like a game that tried to tell a story and it was very uh the like, crew one tried to tell a story yeah, yeah and it was just very like okay please stop like you know they were trying to act <laughs> all badass and then i was thinking to myself yeah. no I'm, I'm not comfortable with this <laughs> You should you should hear the slang. Uh, slang. I can't wait till you start playing, man. They'll be like, "You're the fucking rockinest dude that ever lived, man. We're gonna jack up your car." It's like a Fast and Furious kind of thing, where they're sort of trying to trying to like filter in that. But yeah, um, I, I I know a lot of people are probably gonna comment and be like, "Well, I'm having a blast." That's totally cool because I did in the first couple hours too. I, mm. I think it's just over the period of time, it started to that's, really fall off. That's the thing with Ubisoft games I've noticed is. Far Cry Five, um, yeah. Origins, and now what you're based off of what you're saying with the crew is there's this late game downfall. It's like the first yeah. twenty hours, you just go yes, 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 and that's what I'm so afraid of with Odyssey. I'm very excited for Assassin's Creed Odyssey, especially after playing it. I was like, yes, this is what I want. I'm just so afraid that like that arena mode I played, the choices in the game that I played, right? It's just going to become redundant so fast because that's what Ubisoft does. They Put a new bunch of ideas in front of you. They're like, this is what we're selling the game on. You go, awesome, I'm in, because these are new ideas I can get behind. And then you get into the game, and usually the game evolves those ideas. So as you get deeper in the game, there's more to keep you hooked. It becomes a, a grander, a more grand thing. But it turns out that that never happens in these Ubisoft games. Yeah. And it's, just, it's the same rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. It's like it doesn't recognize it's... Maybe they're so in love. We talk about a lot of like developers being so in love with their own product that right. maybe they don't notice. Hey, this can get redundant because they're like, it's my game. and My game's fucking awesome, and it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, and, and these games are awesome in their own ways. It's just that a lot of these activities they get they get boring. You know, they, I also very have to say, Maddie, we've talked about um, what you were saying with Origins and all this stuff where Ubisoft is like, we're gonna open this up and just have the player create the story. That's great in some games, but I'm really tired of all games from Ubisoft already hitting this. You can already feel it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, you you know, we didn't love the story in the crew one, but there's ways that they could have worked some stuff in here. Like you said, selling the fiction. I hadn't thought about the stuntman thing. I don't know why, because that's, 
to me, that's the most organic way you could have done this, especially because they push it all the time. They push the social media. So mm-hmm. it's like, who, who cooler than a Travis Pastrana who's out there throwing his body into the wolves so you can laugh? Uh, jackass. <laughs> like, that's the kind of stuff that could be great, right? But instead, yeah. instead, it's just... And there's no drivatars, which I think is probably one of the best parts of, of Forza, where you can I can see Maddie if you played the game. I remember I when I was reviewing your, Horizon Three and I saw you drive by. Yeah, the and ghost you can form. see somebody drive by, and you're like, "That's fucking awesome!" Yeah. And you can flat, you know, you can race whatever level they are. That's brilliant, and it's missing all of that. It's mm-hmm. it, it just it's empty, and oh man, it's it's a weird game. I I can't wait to see what you think when you play it because especially after you get those first few hours and then you see the economy dude mm-hmm. a car will cost 300,000 that should cost about 19 and then ubisoft bucks are super low so it's like all you have to do is look at that and go microtransaction in which they do yeah. sell and yeah, so yeah so when you buy it it even tells you how do you want to buy it do you want to buy it with in-game credits do you want to buy it with you know cash and you look at some of these cars, and you're like, okay, well, it's four hours of racing and races I'm not a big fan of, or it's five bucks. That, to me, is what they have what they've pushed. I didn't like it in Origins, wasn't a fan of it in Far Cry, and I fucking hate it here. I don't want to see two currencies ever in my, like, I don't want to, and that egregious. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just right there. It's like, and dude, the real Does it money. break your heart knowing that, like, there's probably people, thousands, considering the game sales, you know, it, it's probably a small percentage, but those thousands of people have probably like dropped some amount of money on those microtransactions already. Yeah, because it, it's like it, one of those. Yes. It's there. Someone will do it. Well, and here's why: the game also goes back on any racing game that I remember for years, where you can't change your car class, and there's multiple oh. car classes. So yeah, That's so if weird. you buy a drag racer, you can't change the drag racer to a sport car. You have to buy both versions. Uh. I and to me, now. that's just a microtransaction waiting to happen. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I've got the drag version. I love the look of this car. I'm going to jump over and um, change it into the, su- the touring car version. Guess yeah. what? Nope. You have to go buy the touring car version. And matter of fact, somebody did some price breakdowns, and there were normal version cars more expensive than their race version. So it would be like, here's a BMW, 500000 And I'm exaggerating that number. I don't remember what it was. But here's the BMW outfitted with fucking you know, 18 turbos and two engines for 200,000. And you're like, their economy's borked. It's just, it's a disaster almost. I feel like it's something with games as a service in a way, because it's been done right. But I feel a lot of the times with the approach when they go, okay, this is a live service. And and they look at, especially what it is Ubisoft, but we can look at companies from the outside. Like um, this wouldn't be games at, would it be? It's $60. Games as a service, it's a free to play. And then, Games as a service can be both. It can be both. both. Okay, I'm just making sure I'm not using the term incorrectly. I was pretty sure it was both. Okay. So, you know, I look at Star Wars Battlefront, and I look at, like, Fallout 76 as examples of, like, especially Fallout 76. Like, I feel like that's going to be a game with a bunch of ideas just slapped together, and Mm. Bethesda's going to see how it goes. We're going to see what breaks, what what gives, and it's going to be pretty messy at launch. And I feel like that's the same thing with all of these games as a service, where let's just slap it together and see what happens, let the player base sift it out, and once they sift it out, yeah. we'll have the, you know, a year from now, we'll have the ideal product that's probably the right. one you would have wanted at launch. Rainbow Six Siege. Or- yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I was also alluding to that, that, you know, as a company as Ubisoft, they can look internally and go, Division, Siege. Okay, yeah. so we have yeah. two games with, hu- and, and the crew, I'm sorry, and the crew. Two, three games with 
huge resurgence in their player base because of how they updated them, how they patched them, and, and how it caught players' attentions. I, I mean, it's, you know, you can't really argue the logic, right? Especially if it's Ubisoft themselves, but especially on the outside looking in, I imagine companies like Bethesda and EA have observed that and gone like, well, let's do that. Except what in the me? case of EA, there's so much fan hate that a lot of Battlefront yeah. 2's player base just... <laughs> yeah, they just left. Um, What worries me is exactly right. The games as a service, and then... You look at the borked economies, which I don't think are on accident. I think there's some psychological shit going on there that I, uh-huh. I couldn't I couldn't track down, but I'm sure is going on. But I am done with games as a service where the game hasn't improved with its prequel with the, the prior. So if Crew Two was better than Crew yeah. One, then games as a service to me can work. But what we have not seen yet is that. It's the same way when you see an RPG and you beat the first one, you go into the second one, and they're like, you have amnesia. You have to learn everything brand new again. You're like, oh, for fuck's sakes. The same thing happens. Crew 1 had all this shit. You jump into Crew 2, and you're like, it's got less everything, Mm -hmm. but it's the same price. And Games as a Service pops up. And I just don't like... I don't like where it's, it's... It's almost like if they had one problem, I'd be okay. If they had microtransactions that were not forced by any means, I know people are thinking I'm saying they're forced. They're not. It's just psychologically they're there to trick people. If they had just those, it would be one thing. If they had games as a service, it would be one thing. But they fucking merge them all, dude. And you're yeah. just you're bombarded with it's not even the best thing right now, but maybe you can buy the best thing. And you fucking really? I mean, mm-hmm. just seems dude, wrong. This is why <laughs> you're talking about like, yeah, you might go back and uh... – you might go back and play, and it's like, I'm just fully in on Vampire. Like, I beat my first playthrough. Yeah. Instantly oh, cool. hopped in my second one. Like, like, it's a good game. Almost, in like, I wouldn't say instantly. Like, I, went, I, I beat it, like, 2 a.m. I was like, all right, I'm going to go to bed. Went to bed, woke up, worked. And then, like, right when I had free time, I was like, all right, boop, new playthrough. Yeah. Like, awesome. you know, that game, I got to talk about it for a sec. Because now I finally go beat it. it. Like, oh, fuck, bro. You know, I... I it's not the level of choice and consequence in um it's i shouldn't say it's not the level it's a different choice and consequence than i ever expected it's really Mm -hmm. how you interact with the city determines the outcome of the whole game and also how people react to you um i mean the district status balancing the the feeding and when you feed on certain people in a social circle, an event might pop up on your map. You go visit that. I mean, yeah. there's so much cool stuff to uncover. Really, my only complaints with the game are, A, no fast travel. That sucks. It, it gives me, like, PTSD of Thief on the Xbox <laughs> One and PS4. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. my God. Just that interworld travel that just... It's like, just let me click my map and click the icon right. and go to the new hideout. That's all I need. Vampire doesn't have that. And also... um, it can be a little buggy. Like, this isn't a, a huge spoiler, by the way, folks, but um, you know how there's the morgue next to Pembroke? I guess you can go in the basement. My first playthrough, that I got the key. I went to the door. Door was locked. I'm like, I'll probably go there later. I'd gone back multiple times. It still wouldn't work. Start uh-huh. my second playthrough. I get the key. <laughs> Fucking door's unlocked. Oh, weird. So, okay. yeah, I, I wasn't able to explore the basement of the, the morgue by the Pembroke Hospital the first time through, and I missed, like, huge lore huge info on characters and this game is so character driven i mean you can sign on and spend like two and a half three hours just talking to people in a community when you get there, or reading their bios which aren't small you know multiple page bios yeah Yeah. the profiles and stuff i mean it is a 
spectacular RPG that I personally went out and bought another copy on top of what I was huh. already given because I wanted to make like because they said at five hundred thousand sales we'll consider this a success at yeah, a million right. sales we'll do a sequel I'm like I'm, I'm fucking putting my money down like give me <laughs> give me a sequel come on because yeah. this game man I mean it is just. It's unique, and we had talked about how like games in this space need to be explored because that, that's one thing that this year has been special with is RPGs. We look at Kingdom Come Deliverance, we look at Vampire, yep. two very different RPGs that try very different ideas because they're in a space where they can. They get the budget, but they're kind of in that double-A area yeah, almost. Right. Um, Kingdom Come more so reaching, even though an indie studio, reaching for that triple-A or triple-A yeah, triple tier. Um, it, it's just... It's fantastic what we're seeing in this genre, and Vampire game of the year for for me so far. I don't like it, it's def, it's one it's kind of how I feel about God of War, except this one's less strong. Where once I beat God of War, I was like, all right, this year hasn't been that great for me in terms of games. So like, this is definitely my game of the year. Like, you know, it was almost like, yeah, you know, I'm giving mm-hmm. it to you. Whereas Vampire, I'm like, that's my game of the year so far. Like, it's it's absolutely a stronger reaction. Yeah, strong. Mm-hmm. It's like um, this is going to be harder to break down than God of War. Were you excited? I don't know if I ruined this for you. I can't remember if I even told you, but I personally, the best part of that game was when I lost a district and I went back in and it was all bad guys now. Like, And mm. all the good guy, all the humans had left, so I lost all that EXP, which bothered the fuck out of me. But then you notice there's like graphical changes, like boarded up doors. There's just small I graphical changes. I haven't, yeah, I haven't so, had a district go hostile yet. I'm very close. Oh, what? <laughs> really? Yeah, dude, not I yet. Because, up then. No, 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 no. You're fine, dude. <laughs> because this, this is the beauty of this game, though, because I'm doing things like... Uh, here's a good example. Uh, this isn't a huge spoiler, because these are just side characters that are inside the Pembroke Hospital community. They're people you meet right off the bat. Right. Um, so, Milton Hooks, you know who he is? The guy who like sells you weapons in the beginning? Yep. I'm like, I'm going to fucking kill him this playthrough. We're going to see what happens. So I feed on him. I rest to see what happens because uh for those who don't know uh to see the consequences of your action you have to sleep at night and that's where you level up and also that's where like you know the district becomes sicker or more sick rather um the district you see like who you fed on who impacts that so all of a sudden pippa hawkins gets like a little exclamation point on her which means she's gone missing and the exclamation points mark an event so i go onto my map and i see an event about like 100 meters away and i start running out there there's a couple of guards of prewin there and I start fighting them, and then all of a sudden Pippa runs out in the Garter Prewin outfit. And and she's oh. she's like, This is the battle I've been waiting for. Completely different character, dude. And it Whoa. was insane. That's what I'm saying. That's what I love about this game. So you're like, Oh dude, I'm so sorry for ruining that. But it's like, that's the beauty of this game, is that you and I and my friend Vinny, um, my friend Brian, like we've all been sharing our stories on how we've tackled this game and for the first time since probably divinity and before that i don't even remember when they are genuinely different different dude huge when you lose a district um so you're talking about exclamation points this is why i think this game goes up a level and i I, I, ignoring you know some bugs and stuff but when you lose a district um you will get these notes that are like some event happened in the district oh yeah yeah like almost a newspaper clipping yeah yeah so i went i went to them and I go to this place, and there's a bad guy. And as I'm fighting the bad guy, I look at their name, and I realize that he's been turned, and it was one of the main characters <laughs> yeah. that had been turned into a bad guy. And I found out that in all the district, what happens when I talk to the developers, they said, when you evacuate a district, when it goes bad, people leave, but not all of them escape safely. 
and the game will capture some of them and say, now he's a bad guy, or now this has happened. So I was going through the, the destroyed district, killing enemies, but also learning, like, did the guy escape? And you'd find out, no, they tried to escape, but you'd see, like, you'd walk into a building, and now the building was destroyed inside, mm -hmm. and his body was there. And you're like, oh, fuck! Like, not only did I lose the district, this guy didn't even get out alive. And there's, like, a white X over his door, which had never been there before, to indicate, like, we're Dude, leaving this spot. It, it, it's amazing. And I never, ever had what you just said. Like, that never even... So that's insane. Like, now I just want to jump in because and do that exact same. that's the thing I love about this game. I'm thinking, like, okay, evil playthrough, I'm going to feed on everyone, as simple as that. But there's a level of consequence, even when you're being bad. Like you said, the district right. goes hostile, everyone dies, everyone's gone. You see, like, a different level of consequence where... You killed a certain certain people, so therefore you found that dead body. But if I killed that guy earlier, maybe I go in his house and I don't even find that dead body. Yeah, I find something exactly. else in there. It's like yeah. the way the game replaces events and makes every choice feel unique. Yep, uh, It's wonderful. And, and can we talk about the hint system? The hint system is genius. It invests you gameplay-wise. Oh, 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 yeah, where yeah, you get the yeah. hints and, and you get XP through them. So if you're yep. doing a pacifist playthrough... Um, you're, it's always going to be a little bit of a struggle, but you know the the way that the game rewards you through dialogue, through yeah. investigating and and being on top of everyone's shit and connecting the dots and making the right choice. Just mm, my god, man, it's so good. I love it's that hint system. It's also soft, which I like. It's not. It doesn't. I mean, sometimes, like when I lost the district, it's like. I was warned because it said the district is going to remember this or something. I was like, uh-oh, yeah. that's probably not what I wanted to see. But a lot like, of the yeah, hints the district are... will face the consequences of your choice soon or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And a, lot of the, a lot of the consequences, though, are a little soft, which I like. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily put a finger in your eye and say, you need to watch this tomorrow. Mm. And I, I did love that. The hint system I liked because I, there's just nothing, there's nothing like it. There's nothing that has you build up knowledge about somebody to get more XP in almost any game I've ever mm -hmm. seen. So it was a first game where I'm like, it was forcing me, or not forcing me, sorry, it was offering me the ability to learn more and that person's worth more, or to not do that at all, not kill them, or to not do that at all, kill them, and then all the various levels in between all of those choices. And mm -hmm. it's it, honestly, it's an ingenious system that I honestly think we will see a couple companies try to like mimic in some way. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I, I loved in old RPGs, you discover something in the world, like in this game, you find a notebook or a diary and you find this connects to some character you had met earlier in the game. You go, oh, fuck, I remember him. And I now this all makes sense. And that you can bring it to them and talk yeah. to them about it. It's something that we don't see in games nowadays. It's usually based off major events in the story where this game, scouring every corner, reading every piece of text you can, is genuinely rewarding. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, man. Uh, and the combat, I, I think that's something some people have had some gripes with. I liked it. I liked I it, too. It yeah. That's the thing. I mean, especially on an evil playthrough where you're you're feeding yourself a ton of XP and you are able to pull off some crazy shit. Uh, I mean, uh, the two-handed weapons. And, and if you're doing an evil playthrough, I've noticed you get more weapons. Like, when you're feeding on people, you'll loot them afterwards, and, and they have a ton of shit on them. Uh, something that when I was doing my pacifist playthrough, although I failed at that, I actually fed twice, which I'm pissed about because I wanted the platinum trophy. And I guess you got to not kill anyone to to do that. Wait, yeah, I don't know if I could do that actually. Yeah, right. Because I'm I'm going through. 
It's going to take three playthroughs for me because, you know, my first original playthrough, I beat it, got most of the trophies that way. Then I'm going to do a playthrough where I take out all the districts and um, that'll give me, like, the trophies I need. And if I want to, provided I have time, I can go back uh, a third time, try to speed run it and try to just keep everyone alive and go through the main story. But um, anyway, I got off track there. Yeah, just the, the combat... The silky smooth dodge animation. Mm-hmm. We talked about that yeah. all the time. Yeah. The dodge is just, yeah, it's a cool, because you were talking that prior to the podcast with Bill, I think. Mm-hmm. You were like, dude, the fucking, that, that, it, it just looks good. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know another way to describe it. It looks cool to have you, like, yeah, you vapor see yourself, from one like, come apart and then yeah. just reappear somewhere else. Yeah. They did and, a really good job with that. Like, when, when, like, a, a ranged character is, like, pointing his gun backing up and you're just zigzagging like this, just coming dude, at him. Awesome looking. Amazing yeah. feeling. And, um, I will say, if there's any complaint I have about the game, and I can see why some people felt battle was easy because of this, and I did not play this the first time, but stamina is a little too powerful in the game because it's connected to dodge. Mm-hmm. And if you have a bunch of stamina, you can take out almost anybody because you're just you're able to dodge. Where I, there would be a guy with a four-hit combo, I only had three dodges. So I yeah. would have to make sure I dodged away and then sometimes couldn't hit him. And so those battles were much tougher. Reg on my channel, he was like, dude, I just put them all in stamina and I was able to dodge everybody past their combo limit. So if their combo's four swings, he would dodge five times and he would still be able to attack. I just hadn't done that. I think stamina, I would like to see that. I would like to see it turned down just a little bit as the most important skill, I guess. There's yeah. no, I, I don't know another way to say it. Um, yeah. But... Because they do a good job with plan. blood. The blood is, yeah. you know, the, or the different damage types, right? That too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a well does well designed combat system. I think. I hope we see it in other games, man. I do too, and I really hope that game gets a sequel because God, so do I. There's just a load of like they. I think they they also really maximized the potential that game had. I think they did everything they possibly yeah. could have with that game. I didn't. I walked away from that thinking like they really did, especially in my second playthrough. I'm like they really did everything they could they were given the time they needed there's not a lot of shortcuts i guess is the way i would yeah, describe it it, it, it felt like it wasn't one of those games where you know how it is where you go around a corner and you're like yeah this is the place no one will care about so we're mm-hmm. not gonna draw the best things or do whatever it never really felt like that that social interaction though dude when you start seeing who's doing what and then like the girl um when she ends up leaving the hospital and and uh, going to her home and you go to visit her and that changes everything and you start yeah. meeting the bigger groups and you're just like you're just you're you're consistently meeting and interacting with all these people that all tie back in and it's just that's not really done in fact like a far cry for example mm-hmm. you talk to a dude who doesn't know a person is right fucking here yeah like they don't know and you're all but he's right there like I'm, i've been alone you're not alone the fucker's five feet from you but yeah, in dude. Vampire, it, it just nailed it, man. Especially because, like, you need to, to feed on certain people. You need a certain mesmerized level. And yeah, that was difficult. To yeah, and so it's like sometimes you want to feed so badly if you're doing an yeah. evil playthrough. But it's like, I want to know what happens when I feed on this person in specific, like Camellia. Right. I haven't I haven't had the chance to, but she's level 5 mesmerized. So i got to wait till the end of the game if I really yeah. wanted to feed on sure. her. And I'm so curious what happened. So it's like... Man, I want to feed on so many people in Whitechapel, but I gotta wait. I gotta wait. I felt I felt bad too, Maddie. Like when I'd kill somebody, yes, and the, the, the one liner, the one liner would I'd be like, because eh, I think I told you about me killing the one kid and then finding out like he had been shoring up the entire family, stopped his mm-hmm. mom from going into prostitution. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? 
But what I really felt weird about was like I'd kill somebody and that fucking last thought that was in their head and I killed this one old guy. I can't remember who he is. Oh, yeah, I remember who he is. I, so I kill an old guy and he's like, my children will be better off without me or something. And I was like, fuck, man. I know exactly I mean, you're talking about, too. I mean, I know I shouldn't feel bad because he's sort of saying this is better, but I'm like, Jesus Christ, yeah. this is impactful. It's heavy. Yeah. It's heavy. It I, is heavy. Yeah. I remember uh, I fed on a guy who was like a complete asswipe. That's, that was the first person I ever fed on. I was like, yeah, there's no connections here. Like, this is a man here for players like me who, who want to feed but don't want to take someone important out of the world. Exactly. And so I feed on him, and he's like, who are you to decide, you know, yeah. like, when I am to go and stuff like that. I was like, oh, shit. Who am I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who are you? Yeah. And that's the thing. It, it handles humanity better than a lot of games based around humanity. Yeah. Like, it just it, – it's it's awesome, man. I'm, I'm so stoked to see that game doing well. I hope they sold enough. Yeah, um, because they deserve they they deserve to see like a sequel, and, mm. you know, maybe improve a couple things. I agree. Anyway, from the crew two to Vampire. Now, let's talk about Google. So let me bring up the article on my phone. This is going to be an interesting conversation for sure because Google is entering the console games market. Yes, you heard that correctly. They want to compete directly with Sony and Microsoft. So the following information originally came from Kotaku. I have the article up right now. Sources, Google is planning a game platform that could take on Xbox and PlayStation. Over the past few months, the wildest rumors in the video game industry circles haven't involved the PS5 or Xbox 2. The most interesting chatter has centered on a tech company that's been quietly making moves to tackle video games in a big way. Google, the conglomerate that operates our email, internet browsers, and much more. We haven't heard many specifics about Google's video game plans, but what we have heard is... It's a three-pronged approach. One, some sort of streaming platform. Two, some sort of hardware. And three, an attempt to bring game developers under the Google umbrella, whether through, whether through uh, aggressive recruiting or even major acquisitions. That's been the word from five people who have either been briefed on Google's plans or heard about them from secondhand. Google has been exploring video game initiatives for almost a decade. Uh, in 2014, the company was reportedly poised to acquire Twitch before Amazon swooped in. Rumors percolated for years that Google was also attempting to launch Android-based console, um, similar to Amazon's Fire TV, but that didn't happen. And in 2016, Google incubated studio Niantic, scored one of the biggest gaming successes of the last decade with Pokemon Go, but it had spun out into an independent company the year before. And Google has had a long history of hiring game developers for projects that never quite materialize. In recent months, however, the chatter with Google has gotten louder at the GDC in March of this year. Game, uh, Google representatives met with several big video game companies to gauge interest in its streaming platform, which is codenamed Yeti, sources say. Um, the existence of Google's Yeti was first reported by the website The Information earlier this year. Google also took meetings at E3 in Los Angeles a few weeks ago. Those sources said, and from what we've heard, the company is looking not just to woo game developers to the Yeti service, but to buy development studios entirely. Um, so what is this streaming platform exactly? Like NVIDIA GeForce Now, the Google service would work would offload the work of rendering graphics to beefy computers elsewhere, allowing even the cheapest PCs to play high-end games. The biggest advantage of streaming, as opposed to physical discs or downloads, is that it removes hardware barriers for games. Games like Call of Duty can reach a significantly bigger audience, if not big enough, if players don't need an expensive graphics card or console to play them. As one person familiar with the idea described it, imagine playing The Witcher 3 within a tab on Google Chrome. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? 
or sounds like too much like the promise of other streaming platforms like OnLive, which failed because of lagging video compression that reduced quality. Many of the rumors we've heard need to be presented with some skepticism until we've uh, until we actually see them in action. One pie in the sky idea I've heard floated, for example, is heavy integration between Yeti and Google-owned YouTube. Imagine you're playing a game and you run into a tricky boss or don't know how to solve the puzzle. Instead of opening up your laptop or checking your phone for a guide, you could press a button, activate an overlay on your screen that queues up a YouTube walkthrough of the game you're playing. Whispers have been quieter about Google's hardware, whatever that may look like, but the, but the rumors, sorry, I keep stuttering here, uh, we've heard suggest that it will link up with the streaming service in some way. We're not sure whether Google is looking to complete with the technical looking to compete jesus christ with the technical specs of the next xbox or whether uh this next google console will be a cheaper and low-end relying on the streaming services to pull the weight so that's basically all the rumors and stuff um they talk about some of the developers they had interviewed about and whatnot but that's pretty much the from what i skimmed here the general information so that was a mouthful carrick what do you think about this well i mean so amazon um you know, they've got, uh, what is it called? Uh, Lumberyard, which is their graphics engine. They've hired some developers mm-hmm. to help them as well. So I think Google or something is always watching the big companies, especially because they both went after Twitch and they lost out. Yeah. I, I'm an, uh, it, the one problem with Google is they've had so many hardware ideas that haven't come to fruition. I don't know if this one means, I mean, five people isn't a ton. What it could have been is like, here's our plans if, if this all works out. When it comes to streaming... Your major one is latency, and the second one in the United States, at least, is, of course, bandwidth uh, caps. So when I buy a game, it's 20 gigs, and I'm done. If I'm streaming a game, it could be hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of gigs if I continue to play it day after day because I'm constantly streaming that. Like, how is it going to save it on my drive, or is there a drive? If there's not, you're not saving it, so therefore you're consistently re-downloading stuff. I have the speed of fiber, basically, here. Um, I still would not want to play an online game because of latency. If it was like, let's say, the crew, because of the, you know, uh, the uh, latency that you're getting from that turnaround. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's a lot of little issues here and there. I personally, if they do enter, what I would like to see them do is be the only company that sells their console at a true loss right up front. Now, because we don't get that as much anymore. You get the Xbox 500 when it first came out, 400 yeah. for the PS4. If they came in and said 199. For hardware that's equivalent to an Xbox X or something, that would certainly get attention. Um, but I don't know, man. Like it, it just seems it seems like one more thing Google and Amazon are trying, but they never really full go to it. Yeah. Also, they're they're whoever wrote that. I think you said Kotaku. Yeah. They they obviously need to pay more attention because the Xbox X has had the ability to use Snap and bring up uh, FAQ from mm-hmm. since the day the Xbox X came out or the yeah. Xbox. Uh, original came out so they're, what they're talking about the YouTube integration doesn't seem to be anything the real YouTube integration to me would most likely be achievements tied to streaming fucking game rewards tied to streaming oh, like that would be yeah exactly me being banned for no reason from streaming you being mm-hmm. banned from streaming. that's the thing yep. it's like what if we got licensed music in a game oh Jesus it's a disaster <sighs> That's true. I, I just, for me, I don't really bat an eye when I hear these console rumors of someone competing against Sony or Microsoft. I feel like it's a very established market, and it's hard to change that. 
Um, yeah. Not that I'm afraid of change or that someone can't come in and crack the market and bring us something new, but for me, like you know, I, I think of like the Ouya or something like that. I think of right. these consoles that have come in, like this is gonna be a big thing, this is gonna be a big deal, um, and it's just like a flash in the pan idea, and it doesn't work out at all, and it just falls the off shield. the face of the earth. Nvidia yeah. Shield. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There's one. Um, these ideas that are ambitious, the company has a good marketing job for it, where it feels like it's a grand thing when it's really not. And so for this, it's like, you know, there were some ideas I was reading where I thought like, okay, imagine opening The Witcher 3 in your web browser. Interesting idea. Almost like it's a fucking Flash plug-in game. Don't know how that would work. Don't know what exactly their idea is. Connecting the hardware to the the streaming service, all we know is there is something tying them together. Who is the target market for this? Is this for hardcore gamers? Is this a cheaper option to get gamers into um, the high-end experience at a cheaper cost. It sounds more PC-focused, especially because it's Google. Um, I'd imagine so. Yeah. It's, which makes me once again wonder, like, where it's going to be priced at. You were talking, like, yeah, you know, put it at a, a loss and see how it goes, and I agree with that. I think something along those lines would work well just to get interest because I think yeah. a lot of these companies get so absorbed in their ideas and what's happening within their walls and like this is an exciting idea because this is different for us and they're all thinking like us, us, us. They don't realize that the outside, the gamers, we only know two things, three things, sorry, Xbox, Nintendo, PlayStation. It's like yeah. it's always been like that and yeah, we've seen like you know, the Sega Dreamcast, Atari, Atari trying to make a comeback we're seeing different attempts, but there has not been that major player who's just cracked the market and been like, here's our fourth entry. You yeah. know, like, here's the fourth big pillar. There's nothing like that that I can think of right now. I mean, it's PC. Think of the upfront cost, too, Maddie. Like, let's say, you were, let's say you had an unlimited budget. You have to spec out a system, build all the infrastructure then you have to get developers who have games so that you can compete against a sony first party like because yeah. you, you would want to launch with some first parties so you're talking like billions upon billions of dollars they and then it. It, and they do have it that's why i was saying unlimited yeah. budget really but then you have to look at when it's going to be paid back microsoft has always said we're going to pay it back in the long run they're playing the long game yeah. game pass all that kind of stuff but it, they've lost serious amounts of money too um and there's always been that question of like how, how now we know the question is they're super supported, but there was some serious questions on how supported were they internally. Google just doesn't feel um, solid enough. They feel fickle, if that makes sense. And and we see it because of YouTube, and I'm trying to even ignore that. If you mm-hmm. just look at Google, they've always felt fickle. And it, to me, feels like I could never trust them anyway. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't really trust anything they said until the hardware was out and that's not necessarily the way I would want it. They're, a lot of the shit they do just doesn't seem like they're solid. Yeah, I mean, I, think of how they handle YouTube. You think they're going to give us a fucking update on a game console and tell us what's going on? They're just going to exactly. update the fucker. That's it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You know, yeah, they don't, part of it they don't is we got some know. bias here, but like, Google sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't, I just don't know, I just don't know how that would ever work out um, in the way their company structure is, I mean, mm-hmm. it could it could Amazon seems much more poised to do that. I think that so too. You talked because, about server farms, I think, right? With yeah, and server farms, and Microsoft's got Azure, and those are, I mean, a lot of devs. That's one of the reasons why you know Vermintide Two is just Xbox X or Xbox 
in the next coming weeks. And it's Game Pass, so it'll be the one of the first third-party games to release oh. Game Pass day and date. The reason awesome. why is because it's cheaper. Like they can, I mean, there's certain things that certain companies offer, and I, I just think Amazon is more prepared. They've got their mm-hmm. Twitch, and Twitch is doing great. And if they did a console, it seems like it would make more sense than if YouTube. YouTube just seems like they're throwing money because they're trying to figure out what yeah. to do. And no, I, I or, completely sorry, agree. Google. I, I keep calling them YouTube, but Google. What's the difference? <laughs> yeah, it feels like it, right? Yeah. I mean, and and they've got, like you said, unlimited pockets, though. So, you know, if they want to throw a couple billion in, it really isn't that big of a deal for them. No, I agree. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it develops in anything beyond this. Um, especially, they're talking about buying out studios. That's something that raise an eyebrow at. You go like, what, 500 what are they million. Acquire? Yeah. I mean, that that's the thing is a game costs 150 million. A studio costs, you're talking 250 to, you know, 500 million for a big, because otherwise, why would you buy a company? Unless yeah. they were a storied company, right? You wouldn't be like, I'm going to buy Piranha Bytes because of Elix. It'd be like, why? Mm. Uh, that's not a true. You would probably look at a Bioware style thing and then you yeah. talk another $500 million on top of it's. It's a very odd idea. But mm-hmm. again, they got the money. I wish, wish I had a tenth of what they got. <laughs> anyway, um, that's what Google's up to lately. And now Bioware. We were just talking about them. And how about we talk about how they're looking to maybe make some smaller games. We look at Anthem. Very uh, ambitious-looking project, if anything. The following information comes from GameRant.com. Bioware interested in developing smaller games. Bioware's Anthem will be gracing the cover of the July issue of Game Informer magazine, and the game will be the main focus of the uh, periodical. During an interview with the studio, Bioware's general manager, Casey Hudson, and executive producer, Mark Dara, spoke with Game Informer about the team's interest in creating smaller titles that will allow for more experimentation but will still be true to the studio's values. Worried that Bioware will become synonymous with only one or two major titles, such as Anthem, the studio is looking at its options. According to GM Casey Hudson, the time is right to start trying new things. I would like to get to a place where, yes, we're also doing our next big thing, but maybe... We're also doing kind of a few experiments. Uh, Hudson says using short films as an example of one of the types of projects that the studio would like to present to the public, partly because that's a lot of fun, he says. There's also a lot of people here that have ideas that they want to get out that you just don't always want to wait for the next big thing. The team feels that there are a lot of opportunities for AAA publishers to vary their projects, to branch out and create smaller titles that are consumed more quickly, while still retaining the quality of bigger games. These desires are, these desires are partly influenced by the success of the retro RPG trend, as well as other indie projects. Executive producer Mark Dara feels that indie titles allow for more freedom, and that they can do things that larger titles cannot do due to player expectations. I think there's a middle ground. I've heard it called AAA Indie, but which is that sort of high production value, but smaller scale budget. So I was just talking about Kingdom Come Deliverance. If you guys need a comparison, there's kind of what they're talking about. Yeah. There's only a few games that exist in that space right now, and I think there's an opportunity for AAA stuff to be in there. Using Rockstar Table Tennis as an example of smaller project done by larger studios, 
the oh, hold on tab just cut off the team believes there's value in those ideas not just for the staff that works on them but also it's a way for them to see what resonates with fans anthem is definitely a game where we've tried to be the f- game of the future but i think there's a i think an opportunity for bioware to be doing both to be making games that are true to the core to the core part of our core and games that explore new parts of the audience like anthem does Dara is not just for, uh, Dara is not just forthcoming in his interviews. He's also a major source of Anthem by way of his Twitter account. Um, yada yada yada. Okay, so basically, Bioware wants to work on smaller games. They're observing that space where we were just talking about Vampire. That's one in that kind of AAA indie space. Kingdom Come Deliverance. What do you think about Bioware? Kind of taking almost a child of light Ubisoft delve into the smaller games area. I'd rather have them do that, right? Like absolutely. They they haven't nailed a, a couple games that were big, so to me, maybe they just need some experience and some chops mm-hmm. where where um, gameplay is a little bit more important. And presentation will still look great, but like an Ori in the Blind yes. Forest or something, where it's like, let's let's figure out you know how gamers move around a level. Let's do all this crazy stuff because I think sometimes they get lost. They're just like it's big and they forget the mic you know the micro stuff. And mm-hmm. to me, I'm. I would be okay with it because we said this prior to the podcast. It's like I'm not a big fan of Bioware anymore, which pains me to say. But uh, if they started doing this like Ubisoft has done and EA, I mean, God forbid, but they've got a couple smaller games as well. I would rather have these big companies do that and see where, see where they can go. And light the fire of some devs who maybe don't want to do Anthem. Like, make them happy. Yeah. Your creativity comes from happiness, I can tell you, because when I'm unhappy, it's hard to make a video. So yeah. it's like it, it's a big deal. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm all for it, I guess. No, I am totally with you. And for me, I, I think instantly of like the RPG opportunities um, mm-hmm. that come with something like this. You know, Child of Light is one that really resonated with a lot of folks, and it was simply a one-off. It just happened. People thought, man, this is really good. It got really great reviews, sold well, thinking there's going to be a sequel, and Ubisoft really hasn't gone back to it. Um, Just because it was, like they said, it was just a smaller project that they went and did. Um, I think, and it's something that you'd never expect from Ubisoft, especially of that time frame. So I I think this is really exciting where we could see that old-school Bioware kind of trickle in a little bit here you know because we we see the big focus is anthem but imagine if they're doing something little that focuses on that choice and consequence it reminds me of how i felt when playing far harbor um for fallout 4 you know it was this dlc that felt like a traditional fallout games in many ways and an old bethesda game studios game there was that level of choice and impact and how people reacted to what you did on that island or not on that island, I'm sorry, at Far Harbor. It, it just, it was it was really well done, you know, and yeah. so it was a smaller project, and I think when it's a smaller project, like you said, they're always so focused on thinking big, you know, what can we do to, whoa! It's they like, lost hold on, it. yeah, hold on, it's just this big, which means we can take this area and cut it up, like, in this many bits, and if we put that much effort in there, I imagine also it's an excitement of, they feel the finish line is, like, that much sooner, where, yeah, for sure. You, know, you, for you sure. start work on something, you know, like I'm sure most game devs are like, this is gonna be a couple of years. Like we're not gonna be able to talk about this, and then we're finally here. We see something, but this is another couple of years, and especially with delays like Anthem. But like a year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's probably like you just want to see the fruits of your labor, right? And, and so I think with a smaller project like this, yeah, just you can get shit out within a year, easily. And, and maybe 
maybe I don't know how they would work, mm-hmm. but I would assume this would be true. But maybe uh, a developer working on the smaller game could feel a little bit more investment because I think most people who work in a game like Anthem probably can't say, "Oh, that's for sure mine." A texture artist probably can, but most others, yeah, you know, it's like I'm lost in the, you know, maybe there's a, the name Casey Hudson, but I'm, you know, Carrick. No one talks about Carrick, but it's like if you have a ten-person game where your credits isn't ten fucking hours long. But it's just you know like two or three minutes, and people can say, "Hey, who's that?" Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's the, and that person I want to check out. And so the developer, like you said, can see the fruits of their labor, okay. which is I think the way to probably make a lot of those people happy. I mean, if you're not, imagine working in a team where it's like you're just a cog. Yeah, I was just about to say. You know, you're just like a piece of the puzzle. You're not. Yeah. A major force. Um, some people like that, but I just feel like there are also people who. You know, you work hard to get to that position in your career and you're finally there and it feels like, well, I'm just someone. It's like I want to be, you know, I want to be a, a, pardon me, a bigger part of what's going on here in this yeah. huge studio. And especially, I mean, imagine the folks at Ubisoft who like, <laughs> I mean, they, these are people who are, are like thousand man teams. You know, imagine seeing that credit list and just be like, I'm one of many. You know, I just imagine maybe it's a little bit disheartening for them. Yeah, I mean, psychologically, there's also no real incubation uh, mm-hmm. programs that I know of in a lot of those bigger companies that really make you feel like you can move up and become the next Peter Molyneux. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't want to be him. Let's say Cliff, if you don't want to be him. But you want to be somebody. You want to be known and you want to make a breakout game, what have you. If, if 10, 15 people are working on a game, there's a far higher chance that people can say, you know what I love? I love the level design in this game. Who's the level designer, not Zers, not plural, Who's the level designer? And you look him up and you're like, holy shit, this guy nailed it. Uh, there's yeah. more risk because if you suck, you can't hide. You can't hide in the yeah. umbrella of other people. You can't be like, ah, oh, it was all of us as a team. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, yeah, I, 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 I'm excited for it because I think that also it leaves a person who maybe wants to do an indie looking at these bigger companies and saying, hey, there is some support here. I don't have to pay my own insurance. I can go work for uh, BioWare and work on a smaller title versus me at home you know putting my house up for mm-hmm. for a mortgage so that I can get the money to make a game so the more the merrier to me on those smaller ones yeah i, I honestly hope they do pursue that because that's so something I. that like i read and i i actually uh i actually got pretty excited about that cuz like i said there's just a lot of a lot of potential there and i think it could help a lot of people out it, it's just like it seems like there's only good things that could come out of that you didn't play did you, oh man? Sorry, I can't remember. Did you play Life is Strange? Yes. yes. Okay. Did you like Life is Strange? Yes. Okay. So Captain Awesome Adventures of Captain yes. Spirit got released. Yeah. Um, did you get to play it yet? Yes, I did. Okay. That's a free game, and it's about an hour. What I would love to see a Bioware do is do some crazy shit in an hour. Mm-hmm. I would fucking die. Like, almost like they, a game jam. Yeah. Exactly. But triple a game jam right like where it's like you do have the authority to say we need a little bit more money spent on this or that even though don't nod did a great job with uh, awesome adventures but i would like to see odd things like a bioware to say we, we don't want a massive game we're gonna do uh we're gonna tell some unique thing in this story and just leave some mystery in there yeah. like that game did uh, i would fucking even what if it's a connection what if it's like okay we know you like this is never gonna happen but i just want to say what if you like Garrus in um, in Mass Effect? We're going to tell a side story. Mm. It's just going to be an hour. 
but we're going to tell you a side story about something he hinted at. I would fucking be yeah. all over that, and that probably won't happen. Cool, but those kind cool of cool spinoffs of their set material. Oh, for sure, yeah. man. And in a, in a weird environment, it doesn't have to be him shooting. It could yeah. be a, a a life is strange kind of thing where it's like you're walking around and you're you know something's going on, just telling a story. Um, and, and allowing those developers to sort of try that would be very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm about that. I like that idea. Um, by the way, that article I had read, because um, I forgot to mention this earlier, the Google article was by uh, Jason Schreier, and the Bioware one was by Kurt Hudson, like I said, of Game Rant. I just want to make sure I give credit where credit is due, because I'm literally reading the whole thing. Let's talk about Star Wars. Oh, boy. It, you know, this used to be, like, the most exciting thing ever, and now just right. gradually as EA has fucking butchered this shit, it, it's it's never something good coming out of my mouth. So, this article's from The Verge. It's by Andrew Webster, titled, EA puts Star Wars game on hold as Uncharted creator Amy Hennig leaves company. So, last October, EA shuttered Dead Space Studio Visceral, but it kept one project alive, a new story-driven Star Wars adventure helmed by Uncharted creator Amy Hennig. Development was to continue at EA Vancouver, but it looks like that may no longer be the case. Speaking to Eurogamer, Hennig revealed that she left EA in January and is currently in the process of forming her own studio. She looks to build up a smaller team to potentially focus on VR projects. I'm doing all this stuff, working on all kinds of things, she says, but as for Uncharted-like Star Wars adventures, it appears that development has stalled, and there's now a very different game in the works. I'm not doing anything Star Wars, Hennig tells Eurogamer, and who knows what the future may hold, but that project is on the shelf now. The Vancouver studio is working on something pretty different. It's really not, you know, once you go more open world, it's such a different game to the one we're making. Everybody loved what we were doing, and I'd love to see us resurrect that somehow, but it's complicated. EA, for its part, isn't commenting on the status of the game, but the company did release a statement confirming Hennig's departure, which reads, yes, Amy Hennig has moved away from electronic arts. She's an amazing storyteller, a crafter and creator, pretty much fluffing her up here. With the ongoing struggles of Battlefront 2 and the sting that came with the cancellation of Star Wars 1313, it's been a rough few years for players looking to explore a galaxy far, far away, but there's at least some good news on the horizon with the Titanfall studio respawn teasing a single-player game called Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is expected to launch next year. So, we got another Star Wars game getting shelved. I, I guess, here's what I didn't realize. When EA got rid of Visceral, which I still think is one of the silliest fucking things you could do. Yeah, yeah. You get rid of that studio. I guess they were working on something separate that they stopped. And the way EA delivered their message, they were like, we're overhauling this game. We're changing it all to appeal to a a different audience. From what Hennig's words were, they're making a completely different game, like a separate one. Like there's one shelf and then there's this new one. Yeah. Two games. It it also... Man, it makes me sad because Amy had issues at un, uh, with Uncharted mm-hmm. and left there, had issues here with Star Wars, and what seems to be the reoccurring case, two two times isn't necessarily reoccurring, but even what she said sort of indicates this, is that big storytelling, single-player, linear, maybe not linear, but maybe hub, like a Uncharted, whatever, um, based on one character heavily may not be what a lot of companies are looking for and i think we already know that every game has to be fucking open world these days it's like you're gonna have an open world fucking football game or something so that it it worries me because i from what i understand from the people i talked to about star wars 1313 that was very far along this was somewhat far along 
And then somebody, I remember when all this happened, they were like, well, we're looking at more of an open world, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, not every fucking game yeah. needs to be that. Not every, it's done, man. It's like, I'm, it's really showing its, its age right now when it comes to open world games. It's really showing its age. And I was not like that six months ago to a year ago. I did not believe that. I was feeling that for a while, the open world fatigue. Yeah, you have been. You yeah, have been. I was just like, yeah. dude, <clears throat> you know, there are some games that it makes sense for, and there's some that just don't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why a game like Vampire, I don't mean to go back to it, but like that's a, a nice palate cleanser. Because while it's open, open world, town. yeah, it's like, it's like semi-open. <laughs> it's yeah. semi-open. Yeah. There, it's like you're restricted to a certain path. You can only go so far off the beaten path in the terms of exploration. It's very... but. It's, it's it's narrow Dark and world yeah. wouldn't you say? In yes, its, in its, yes, and, and that limitation design. leads to exploration in new ways, like conversation, yeah. like yeah. the choice and consequence we were talking about. So, I look at that and think, why don't developers see, or, or publishers see that? You know, why is yeah. it always got to be that big epic adventure? It it blows me away. Yeah, it blows me away too, especially. When you look at, I, I want to make sure people don't just think this is sales, because you can also look at a game like No Way Out, which was 20 bucks. You only bought one version. Both people could play it. This is the game that came out a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. That was a prison ba- break. Um, that was narrative. There was a little bit of open, not world, but open exploration in the small places, and it did fan-fucking-tastically well. Yep. And so it's like we know that there is a now there were other things uh we do, both didn't need a version that's a money saver right there if you want to get rid of these big linear games that's one thing but what i would like them to see is instead say we are going to do a big linear game but um it's going to be a little cheaper i mean i know that sounds bad but right now it does seem like a lot of people want open world i don't necessarily i look at uh, hellblade I like to, there's I look one at hellblade. that did really yeah. well still continues to sell well just surpassed yeah. a million copies and I mean that's a six hour long linear as fuck game. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's just but it tells a really good story. They're there, they're available. Um they do cost a lot, especially voice acting. People don't realize voice acting is oh, gosh, fucking yeah. atrociously expensive. But I would really like to see it. I think Hitman is gonna be this sounds really weird as a really weird aside. But Hitman not being episodic, I do feel even though it's open level, I do feel is going to help everybody look at a game and go, you just okay, gave me it hope. yeah, it doesn't have to be episodic. It doesn't have to be open world. It can just be flexible mm-hmm. like a vampire, but Hitman's different. You're just killing everybody, but it yeah. can be, it can be flexible in that way and we can still move forward. And then Amy can find a company that's going to back that and say, you know, we do want that and we'll give you the money for this. But maybe maybe you don't have to always be 60 hours of story either. I do feel that I sometimes agree. these linear games are like... Like N- Ninja Theory makes Hellblade, and we're like, six hours? That's edible. I can eat that. That's that's okay. I can jump into that. But how many times have you and I been... I haven't played that game because I don't have the time. Yes. Sometimes a six-hour game is your fucking best avenue into a gamer's life right now. And I would mm-hmm. love to see some really good, poignant stories by Amy six hours just, long yeah i just feel like it's a checklist almost you uh, i think hellblade sure. is hellblade is a perfect example it's like hey man you should play hellblade why and you give them like the breakdown like the story's really good i think the, i like the combat a lot i thought it was visceral i felt it i was enjoyed fun it. to be a part of yeah. um but you know they're like okay well that's great but i'm not gonna spend 60 dollars. oh it's 20 okay well, how long is it i don't really have a lot of time i got work i got this i'm hanging right. out with my girlfriend this weekend oh, it's only six hours 
can beat that in like two evenings. All right, yeah, yep. yeah, I'll pick it up. Boom, yep. just like that. It just happens yep. like that. You know, it, that's the thing that I get this grand vision, and I agree that yeah, the the fucking sixty hour adventure shit. Like, even if they cut that in half, it's not that I don't want to put that time into a game, but like every game demanding Elix is one I skipped out on because I imagine that's a pretty big asking time for a yeah. game in probably yeah, the thirties or forties. And it's like, I have to like a game to put that much into it. There was a time in high school where a game would fucking suck and I'd still put like 50 hours into it. No problem. Without any questions asked. But as people get older, more responsibilities pile up. You don't want to spend your time always playing something mediocre. Um, more offerings too, Maddie. Yes. Back, back then it might have been Sega and Nintendo. And there wasn't even a Sony back then. Uh, well, that's aging me because you're not you're not that old. But there was a time when there was only two big competitors, mm. and there was no Steam. Now there's fucking. You go somewhere and you look at the game releases for one week on Steam, and I think we counted two hundred or something. Yeah, like you're just like what? And so a mediocre doesn't sell it, but a six hour good that sells it. Mm-hmm. You know, six hours of a really good game versus forty mediocre. Yeah. yeah, I'm like you. If somebody said 40 mediocre, I'd be out. That's not. That's, yeah. that's not gonna happen. And they're they're good for palate cleansers. Like I played uh, Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology on my DS, and I like the first 10 hours. It feels like every JRPG. The first 10 hours, I'm like fuck yes. And as the time went on, more and more, I'm like eh, eh, eh. yeah, yeah. Like right. I still think like it's worth playing, but like it was 40 hours long, and I was like okay. And it was good for the palate cleanser because you know like if you're just playing good game after good game like another fucking home run another home run true you just true. lose that balance of like what is bad, bad. what is eh, what is really good <laughs> so yeah that's why those games are important and they do serve their purpose i don't think any developer comes out and says we're gonna make like andromeda we're gonna make a really fucking mediocre game here you know <laughs> i don't think anyone does that nope yeah so um yeah, Amy Hennig's leaving. Um, any thoughts on that, Star Wars? I mean, it, it just feels like it's dead. I, the respawn thing was announced terribly. Were you at that particular E3? Fuck were you no. at that? I was on my plane, not giving a fuck. Dude, you <laughs> I were did right not here. care. It was uncomfortable. It didn't make any sense. And it was like they, it was almost like somebody said, we don't have enough to announce in our event. So we're going to have a person sit down and pretend Dude. to organically yeah. talk. Uh, that's kind of the feeling I got when I was looking back on the announcements that happened during EA. Um, they saw Battlefront 2 DLC, which I don't even think is out. It was just an, a roadmap again. Yeah. Which I was like, what the fuck? And then I think the solo season for Battlefront 2. That Star Wars announcement, which the name is cool. I saw the name. I'm like, that sounds okay, I guess. Um, and then what else do they have? FIFA? Yeah. Um, Unravel yeah, there, 2? There wasn't, a, there wasn't a lot. It was just very, very uncomfortable. Even the event. It was like, oh, so what are you working on? It's this. When is it based? The Dark Ages. Okay. And then they sort of had nothing else to talk about because obviously it's so early. Mm-hmm. that they didn't want to show anything. So to me, Star Wars is sort of, it sounds really bad, but Star Wars to me has really dropped as an IP, like as an intellectual property, has dropped almost off my radar now. I mean, not to be rude, as but a it really hard, has. Yes, I, I can yeah. agree. I can see what you mean. It's, yeah, it's not pretty. Hey, Ninja Theory. Lightsaber. Short six-hour lightsaber game uh, telling the story of like, 
some little short story, a smuggler. Dude, just let us to... replay the part where Anakin goes and fucking to the dark side in episode three. There you go. Yeah, there you like, go. Let's kill that's... some younglings, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, or, it just name it Order 66. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, and that's it. And just a, a vertical, almost like a demo at E3, but mm-hmm. longer. You just get your fucking six hours with your little scroll at the starting, you know, and then yeah. you're fucking in and then you're out the other end. That'd be fucking awesome. Dude, like That'd those are the days awesome. of uh, Star Wars Force Unleashed. Like that was, I loved the first yeah. one. I know some yeah. people had some issues with the second one because it was short, but I liked that one too. Just like those games, those Star Wars games are non-existent. Now. Yeah, they're gone. They're the, gone. Those days it's... were like, I think I, I relished in those days, so I don't have any regrets, but I think a lot of people don't realize like, Wow, those were like the golden days of RPGs and Do you know what I mean Star RPGs Wars, um Star Wars games. It's Star like, Wars feels a little bit like Michael Jordan returning to NBA where it's like people remember the big but they're mm-hmm. not as good. You know, they're like they're not you know, and it's like Star Wars sort of sells on its name. Yeah. But if you look at it realistically, it's not doing so hot. And I think obviously the movies are doing well even though I really haven't been a fan, but it it just seems like it's done. It's like Star Trek. They've never made a successful, really good Star Trek game in the current vein of games. I would rather see that right now. Didn't you like the VR one? I enjoyed the VR one a lot. I, I Sorry, when I said in the normal main of games, I sort of meant single player. Um, okay. Uh, like a, Almost like an Uncharted. They tried Star Trek for the 360. A lot oh, of people yeah, yeah, like yeah. That, that like two-player so, game or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was fun, but I can see you know why everybody disliked it but i mean there's other uh ips out there i would rather have them go to mm-hmm. let's i think star wars needs to percolate for a while to be honest i think i'm just getting there's just there's movies there's books there's blah 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 and they're not really grabbing me and it's like i would rather have some i just from. i just feel like it needs a like a ch- like a chance i guess you know it, it's movies are fine i i have yet to really feel that area has been oversaturated because before this there was no star wars and i knew like once disney got it there's gonna be a lot of star wars but with the games like i just want a developer to show us like there is a chance like there there a star wars game can release and it can not be a piece of shit like battlefront one came out hollow as fuck two comes out pay to win it's like that's the only games you got to show for star wars since 2015 and i think when was the last star wars game before that like it's been forever it's like i'd love to just see a star wars game roll out and it's good it's weird too because if you and i played star wars battlefront 2 and there were no microtransactions and you got your single player dlc or i'm sorry your single player story and your multiplayer where you can fly ships as well as as do land battles i think star wars would be in pretty okay shape right now that's the thing i always defended battlefront 2 i was always like yes pay to win sucks but underneath all this bullshit, what's sad is there yeah. was a good game. Yeah, and a good actress. She did. A, I thought she did pretty yeah. well. Um, I thought everybody, all that stuff, but it was so mired in that. Um, plus, there were a couple other issues, the but story overall, sucked. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this, yeah it, it was very... Oh, man, they lied. Yeah, very anyway, predictable. Holy they fuck. lied. They lied, man. You're, it's not going to be like everything. Hey, exactly uh, like everything dollars Just say that this is unlike anything you've ever been a part of. Yeah. And then yeah. you say that. It's like... Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know, man. The IP is in a weird place for such a popular Definitely. IP. Definitely. At least in games. Absolutely. But there is an IP that's getting a bit of a revival. And it's, it's one that I really liked. And that's Red Faction Guerrilla Remastered. 
oh, I love the destruction in this game. Isn't it coming out in like a week or two? July 3rd or 4th, yeah, next Hell week. Hell yes. Yeah. So this one's coming out very soon. What are your thoughts? Like, Do you think this is going to be one that ages well when you get your hands on it? I, I posted a video because I have the review code. Oh, and nice. I'm going I'm to be honest. So what they did, Maddie, is they took the old cutscenes and they just re-upped them uh-huh. uh, to 4K. So those cutscenes are like Vaseline smeared on your eyes. You're just like, what is happening? It looks ancient. And then it jumps into the game, and you're like, okay. It, they didn't do much with the landscape at all. So oh, no. it's still Mars, right? Yeah, um, so it's just like all red. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, turd it is right. Remars turd, because that uh, is the way it looks. It's just I heard you say that when I wrote it down yeah. as like a topic on my notebook, and you went turd like that. I was like, yeah. is that a hint at what I'm about to yeah. hear later? <laughs> it, it, it actually is, and the uh. destruction's there, though. I, I posted 25 minutes of the starting um, this morning, and it, it is, it's the game. If you liked the original, it's something that would jump you in. What I do think is weird is that those people would probably have paid, but they're going to get it for free. If you already own the Steam version of the original, you don't have to buy this. You, hmm. get, the, you get it for free. Kind of like Skyrim Special Edition. Cool. Sky, kind of. But here's what's weird. The people who don't buy it, I don't, I've only played about six hours. I'm going to play it all weekend. I haven't seen a lot to sell a new player yet. That's what disturbs me a little bit. Um, it is only 30 so that's a good price point. But it's like... On we'll PC dis- or consoles as uh, well? Uh, both both yeah so it's like will it um will it uh draw new people i don't know the destruction's great like you said like that's the best i mean there's something satisfying about chopping a building's fucking supports out like and it looks cool when it does it it looks like the way we want to crack down three to look when they showed the destruction um but uh it's interesting man i don't know and the shooting ain't the best Mm -hmm. i will say they still the multiplayer yes yeah yeah wow well the tabs there i'm going to check that today but yeah it's all all wow. that stuff it, it really is a a re whatever like it is it, Dude, it's I got everything the original of the multiplayer in that game yeah i mean i, I want to know how we sell it like if it is good right how do you say look at this ancient looking game because it doesn't look new even at 4k how do you sell that to people today at 30 bucks that'll be difficult like it, it's going to be interesting this weekend to play it and see if the gameplay elevates because i don't remember much about the original just being brutally honest i, I remember the gameplay i don't remember shit about the story yeah neither do i so that's that's sort of what i'm jumping into right now i mean do you think it, it might find success in the way we were just talking about like it's kind of a i, I remember it not being a super long game and yeah. plus it's price yeah. tag you think we might find and it's uh, gta on mars because you're just driving cars through that, that was one thing in my video. I, I, I was so accustomed to not being able to destroy stuff in all the games I play that mm-hmm. I backed up the car, and then my brain went, oh, no, you can just gun it and fucking tear down the entire tower from the inside out with this truck. And I did so, and I was like, okay, I can see a lot of people seeing that and being like, that's, that's my jam. So I, I can certainly see it doing well. I just, I just need to play it and sort of get back into the gameplay and see how old it feels. You know, you know how some games feel old? Cause yes. The, you know, control wise or what have you. That's really what Sometimes, I sort of Sometimes, like, I feel yeah. in the animation work, like, when you're trying to do, like, a quick turn almost, and, like, your character just kind of, like, loops yeah. around really slow, and you're just like, this yeah. feels clunky. Yeah, it feels clunky. So, yeah, uh, yeah that, that'll be something I have to experience. But 30 bucks, not bad. Yeah, 30 I mean, bucks. That. Because here's the thing is, like I said, I'm in the middle of my second playthrough of Vampire. I'm in that period of time right now where I'm just waiting for Octopath Traveler at the end of the last episode. Right. I talked about how much I'm really excited for that game. 
And so I'm trying not to start anything like too big before then. Yeah, because I want to play Octopath and give that everything I've got. So it's like I might just stick with Vampire, just keep rolling with that. Maybe see if I can bang out the Platinum Trophy before Octopath comes out. Um, Or I might pick this one up because when you said 30 bucks, I was like, hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a good I, price, July's right? the the month of, of re-releases because there's that, and then there's the uh, X Legacy Collection, and I love the Mega Man X games. I never really was oh, huge okay. on the Mega Man ones, but Mega Man X, uh, especially seven and eight. I know seven a lot of people don't like, but I enjoyed it because I was a dumb kid. Uh, but X eight, I fucking adore, and so those are games that I just want to go back to. They're some of the most satisfying speed runs to watch. Not that the other ones aren't, but I, I just have very fond memories of the Mega Man X series. Um, especially because, like, like I said, in X8 you can play as like Axel Zero as well. I mean, it's it's awesome. So you know how much those are going to be, Maddie? I think forty bucks. Forty bucks for how many games total? Eight. Eight. That's. I mean, that's that's not bad. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, not. even if even if you know they're older or whatever, that's still. That's the thing. I might just pick it up just to see. Like, do I like X one through six? Right. So right. we'll see. But like, July's a. Literally, I was looking at like the games coming out, and the only one that caught my interest is Octopath Traveler. I was like, okay, it's you know, it's officially the summer. There's like one Everybody's game. Everybody's interest, bro. Yeah, man, that's all I can hear about in your Discord, my Discord. Like everybody's talking about that game. I don't. It, it, that's because it's, it's quietly like Switch, out. right? Yes. Um, I think that'll be one of those ones that like not Rabbids, maybe because Rabbids had so much going for it, but I, I do feel like everybody I know is talking about that. Yeah, a good success for Nintendo. Yes, that's what it feels uh, like. I, I hope so, and I, I never have requested a review a game from Nintendo, but I was like <laughs> banging out an email, I'm like, please, oh, wow. oh God. Yeah. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, yeah right? Hey, and I was uh, just like, you know, the only Nintendo game I've ever had to review was uh, Rabbids, because it was from Ubisoft, so it wasn't like you were on that Nintendo Oh, God, order. the teat. That yeah. the disease teat of, of Nintendo. Yeah. yeah, man. And so I was just like, with this one, I'm like, I'll fucking bite the bullet. I want I want to fucking that's review cool. this game because it's an RPG. I'll know. I love that shit. But yeah, that's uh, that's all we've got for this show. Carrick, it was a pleasure, man. As always, yeah, yes. it's a blast, man. Yes, it's the best best part of my Fridays. Oh yeah, going to so, the weekend all excited. If you listened this deep, use the hashtag. Turd. No, I'm just joking. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, just berate game devs. <laughs> um, we could go with. I'm looking at my topic list here. We should do something about like the smaller Bioware games. Or give, give Bioware a chance. Yeah. Give <laughs> yeah. Give give Bioware a chance. Give Bioware a chance, man. Yeah, it feels like a charity. A <laughs> okay. Yeah, do we'll that. do that. So if you listen this deep, you got Carrick's handle on screen at Jeremy Penter, and then you have my handle at G27Status. Tweet at any of those, preferably both of them, and just say hashtag give Bioware a chance. Let us know that you listened <laughs> this deep in. That'll do it for episode 161. Thank you once again, Carrick, and we will catch you, you guys next week. Peace out. Peace out.